Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Flow Racing is the new home of NASCAR Roots Racing. Subscribe today and stream over 1,300 racing events live and on demand. See NASCAR legends, past, present, and future, battle it out in dirt late models, sprint cars, and more at your favorite tracks every week. Find your next favorite driver by going to flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Off turn number four comes Kevin Harvick. He will see the white flag waving at the start finish line. Across the line he goes. Right behind him, Christopher Bell. Bell with one more shot. He surges to the bottom. Deals with both the lap cars. He's three car lengths back. Kevin Harvick, final time down the back chute, and he's lucky there's not one more left to come. Here comes Christopher Bell. It's down to two car lengths. A car length and a half now. Up off turn number four. Checkered flag is in the air. Back-to-back wins. Kevin Harvick wins the Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond Raceway. Everything's going good. We just got to keep an open mind about things and keep progressing forward. We know our cars are, are getting better because we're understanding more of the things that were going on. Um, you know, I'm understanding a little bit more in the driver's seat. We just got to keep working. Uh, but it's way more fun winning. I can tell you that for sure. It's way more fun winning than it is losing. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the MRN crew here with you for our weekly Tuesday get-together. As we head into Watkins Glen this weekend, all eyes will be on the playoff cutoff line. Right now, Ryan Blaney is in by 26. Martin Truex Jr., is out by 26. If one of those two drivers wins, the playoff picture becomes more focused. If someone from outside of those two win, specifically from 18th on back in the playoff grid, the whole thing is thrown into a tizzy, and we've got ourselves a ball game going to Daytona. We'll chat with Martin Truex Jr. As he goes into Watkins Glen this weekend, a track that's been kind to him over the years, but it's a different set of circumstances this time through. And as we head in to our fifth road course race of the year, we'll take a deeper look at the drivers who have been dominating on those tracks as of late. 
We're also going to take a look at the history of open-wheel drivers making the transition to NASCAR. Of course, this is ahead of Kimi Raikkonen's Cup Series debut coming up this weekend at the Glen. Kevin Harvick's crew chief, Rodney Childers, is going to join us. They've won Michigan. Now they've won Richmond. We'll ask Rodney what the team has hit on here the last couple of weekends. Plus, we'll get a full preview of this weekend's Go Bowling at the Glen and a whole lot more. To kick us off, as he always does, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike, this weekend will mark the most diverse Cup Series race in history in terms of countries represented. Drivers from a record seven different countries will race in Sunday's Go Bowling at the Glen. The bulk of the field will represent the U.S., but Daniel Suarez will represent Mexico. Kimi Raikkonen will drive for Team Trackhouse and represent Finland. Kyle Tilley will drive for Livefast Motorsports and represent Great Britain. Team Hesberg has Loris Hesmans from the Netherlands and Daniel Kvyat from Russia. Finally, Mike Rockefeller will make his debut for Spire Motorsports and rounds out the seven countries by representing Germany. While the Cup Series will have an international feel this weekend, the NASCAR Xfinity Series will have a different feel as well, with a multitude of Cup drivers looking to make the field. Reigning Cup Series champion Kyle Larson, along with William Byron, Cole Custer, and Ross Chastain, will all be looking to qualify for the race and get some extra track time ahead of Sunday's Cup Series race. MRN will have flag-to-flag coverage all weekend long, We'll be on the air at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time for Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series event. And on Sunday, NASCAR Live gets things going at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, ahead of the NASCAR Cup Series, Go Bowling at the Glen. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Martin Truex Jr. will join us. And later, we'll chat with Rodney Childers, the winning crew chief from the past two weeks of NASCAR Cup Series racing. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. NASCAR's playoff format has been around since 2014, and it's hard to argue that Martin Truex Jr. has been the most successful driver in that format. Martin has won a championship, he's got three runner-up finishes, and he's advanced to the championship four in five of those eight seasons. This year, Martin's having a great year points-wise, but finds himself in danger of missing out on the playoffs for the first time in eight years because he's yet to taste victory lane. Our Kim Kuhn caught it with Martin in Richmond over the weekend to discuss it all. Martin Truex Jr. to the top of the racetrack in turn three and he's headed for the main straightaway. Dominating performance for Martin Truex Jr. Off four, final time. Checkered flag is out and for the second time in his career, he has scored the win at the Darlington Raceway. Talking playoff picture, if we do end up see you playoff eligible where do you guys need to pick things up maybe that you've seen kind of you felt like you guys were slacking during the regular season and then where do you feel like you guys have just knocked it out of the park well i I don't know that we've knocked it out of the park everywhere or anywhere but um we've had a a consistent year 
Uh, I think we've done a lot of things well. Um, we've won a lot of stages, I think, the most, which is crazy. Um, fourth in points right now. We have, a, a you know, going into the playoffs, if we can have a couple good weeks here and get in, we're going to be in a good spot to start. We'll have a, a good amount of bonus points. Um, so I think we'll be in good shape there. Obviously, I think the one, if we do get in, probably circle the Roval as probably will be our toughest race, I think, just because as we talk, the road courses have been a struggle. Uh, and I remember last year getting ready for the next gen car we tested there and that was our first road course experience with the car and it wasn't good you know we struggled we tried a lot of stuff and we never got anywhere and that's mm-hmm. kind of how it's gone this year on the road courses so that would be the first one we'd have to figure out but i think across the board everywhere else i mean i think we're solid and we're confident we just need to find a little bit everywhere a little bit of speed everywhere to, to be a contender is it wild to think that you're fourth in points but still looking for a playoff spot like what it, it how is. do you kind of sum up this year in terms of the parity we've seen 15 different winners and just kind of the uncertainty each weekend yeah you know i think it's not surprising when we go to such a different car in a new year and you know not a lot of practice not a lot of testing all those things where your know, team can hit it and we've seen guys win races this year that really aren't consistently around the front or consistently, you know, scoring points. You know, we see guys in the whatever teens and 20s and points that have won already. So um, it's not really surprising, and I think that'll be tougher to do next year. I think next year you could probably point your way in a lot mm-hmm. easier than this year, but it is what it is, right? We've all had the same opportunity. We've all had the same amount of races and the same amount of work time to get this thing done, and, and we just haven't. So we've, we've had cars capable of winning. Uh, plenty of races and and just god it's been one of those years where it's like everything we do is wrong mm-hmm. you know if the strategy switches and we do it one way and it just it's like everything has gone wrong and it's frustrating but it's also you know we've got a great team and, and i know we can win it's just a matter of time and hopefully we can do it in time what do you do to defrustrate like away from the racetrack same as always you know uh summertime now so a lot of fishing and just hanging out with friends and family and stuff and um you know it's i've been doing this long enough it's pretty easy to get your stuff done on monday you know talk about the race talk about everything and then fast forward and go to next week and this is a tough sport it's up and down i've been through a lot in my career it's it's i've been through this i've been through a lot worse years than i'm having right now you know what i mean so um you look at the positives you try to work forward on the things that you need to be better at and and for us it's just been uh, a work in progress you mentioned next year you don't think we'll see the same parity so does that excite you knowing that you'll at least be back for 2023 and get a second year in this car? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we'll see the parity for sure. It's going to be tough. Um, I think the field is probably going to be even closer. Um, But I just don't think you'll see those winners come out of nowhere, uh, especially the first half of the year like we've seen um, next year because guys will have a better handle on this thing. So um, I'm excited either way. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, I've got a great team. I'm in a great position. Um, super excited to, you know, have all our partners coming back so far. And it's a great opportunity, you know, and, and I know we can still win races. And I think if we can get in the playoffs, we can really make some noise. And that's kind of what led me to coming back next year. It's like, we can still do this. Let's get after it. Truex and Hamlin going to fight it out to the end of stage one. Truex up the banking. Here comes Hamlin again down low. Takes a look, but can't get the bite he needs off the corner. Green and white checkered flag is out. And Martin Truex Jr. will win stage one. Another big kind of headline this year has just been how people have raced each other. And you're an old school racer. You race respectfully. Have you been shocked at the way some guys have chosen to race other drivers this year? I mean, at times, I guess, you know, not overall, just because, you know, you got a lot of young guys coming in and 
you know, I think they're in a situation where they feel like every week is there, if they have a chance that to do something big, they have to do it because it could be their career on the line. So there's a little bit of that. And, and also I think, you know, racers these days come up a little different than, than we did in my, in my day. You know, I built race cars. I fixed my cars. I worked on them during the week. I had to fix them when I ran into something or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And you didn't want to make enemies and have somebody wreck you because then you really had to fix your car, you know? So I don't know. It's a little different mentality. I think there's a lot more on the line now for the kids because they're not guaranteed or locked in or been around for a long time and, mm-hmm. and made their name, you know, like some of us that have been around. So it's a tough balance. Um, you know, it's frustrating for me sometimes getting run over, getting knocked out of the way for no reason. And I'm never, I've never been one to, to give it back probably enough as much as I should to mm-hmm. get that respect back. But I feel like as the years gone, aside from road courses, it's been pretty good in general. And, and a lot of guys have settled down and kind of find their, found their way. I mean, you look at Ross, all the stuff that he got into, I feel like now he's starting to realize that, you know, because he was on the good end of it so many times mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden he's been on the bad end a couple, he's like, okay, this isn't fun. I don't want to do this. I don't need to be in this position. Maybe backed it off just a tiny bit, but still driving hard, racing hard you know, to get all he can. And there's a balance there, you know. Um, you can still run good and get everything out of the car without, you know, taking advantage of people over mm-hmm. and over. And finally, how do you sum up this season in one word? Maybe not necessarily for you, but the field as a whole, maybe both? Um, just, just unpredictable, you know, I guess is the best word because you just never know how it's all going to play out. Um, especially early in the year, like we talked. And, and I feel like it's getting more common now to see the same guys near the front. And you kind of know who's going to be good at certain tracks. Um, but it's still, you know, the playoffs are going to start and guys are going to come up with some stuff and you never know what could happen. Coming up, we'll take a look at the newest crop of road course dominators. And later, Rodney Childers, Kevin Harvick's crew chief, will stop by. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Over the past few seasons, Hendrick Motorsports drivers Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson were unquestionably the kings of road course racing. Every time the Cup Series headed to one of those tracks, they were at the top of the board in terms of favorites. The introduction, though, of the next-gen race car has seemingly changed things. Larson and Elliott have not won on a road course through four attempts this season, and in those four races, the driver who has won has either scored their first or second Cup Series win. Dan Hubbard is here with more on who's taking Elliott and Larson's crown. 2022 has given NASCAR fans a lot of surprises. Veterans struggling, multiple first-time winners, but the one that no one really saw coming was the change in road course domination. A win at the historic Road America added to the resume of Chase Elliott. Up the hill, checkered flag is out. Everybody is on their feet, and Chase Elliott has won here this afternoon in Wisconsin. During the last several years, Chase Elliott has been the road course king. Seven of his 17 wins came at road courses, and if he wasn't winning, he was finishing in the top five. The last season that Chase Elliott didn't get a win at a road course was 2017. 
Here he is, the final right-hand turn, turn number seven. Kyle Larson exits cleanly to the inside of a lap car, checkered flag in the air, and Kyle Larson wins the go bowling at the Glen. Kyle Larson picks up the W. On his absolute tear through 2021, Kyle Larson scored three road course wins, making him a constant threat to Elliott's dominance. Anytime NASCAR showed up for a road course, everyone placed their bets on either Larson or Elliott, and for good reason. Going into 2022, everyone expected this duo to continue their winning ways through the twists and turns, but that hasn't been the case. The first road course of the season, Circuit of the Americas. Ross Chastain scored his first Cup Series win and the first win for track house racing, making a big statement. I don't know how I could have ever scripted my career um, and the people that I met along the way, the people that I hurt along the way, the people that I wronged along the way, um, but it's all gotten me here one way or the other. And then uh, partway through last year, I've said it in several interviews lately, I don't know why I keep I know I keep bringing it up because it helped me, but Mike Metcalf gave me a book called It Takes What It Takes, and it just reset my whole mindset. I didn't get worked up today when we had the lead. I didn't get too high, and I didn't get too low whenever we lost the lead to Tyler. It is what it is, and um, think neutral and um, go get it in the next opportunity. The next road course was Sonoma, and another big statement for track house racing, but this time Daniel Suarez did the talking. It was also his first Cup Series win. You know, I've been waiting and I've been working very hard for this moment, not just myself, but my entire team. I'm very, very lucky to have a great people around me. We just need to, to, to have a clean day and, uh, and that's what we had today. So today just felt special and, uh, and we did it uh, in front of uh, a few hundred uh, Mexicans in Daniel's Amigos. So it was, it was just a special day. You know, I have always seen California as, as my second home and, uh, and to be able to get the first victory here is quite special. Weeks later, Tyler Reddick collected his first cup checkered flag at Road America. Chase Elliott finished second and led a majority of the race, but in the end, it was all Reddick with over a three-second lead. Makes his way up off the final corner in the middle of the racetrack. He has to climb the hill through the gearbox one more time. He'll crest the hill, checkered flag in the air, and for the first time in his career, Tyler Reddick has won at the NASCAR Cup Series level. Reddick followed up his first road course win with an encore on the Indianapolis Grand Prix circuit, leading more laps than anyone. Yeah, it was very special. I'm not going to lie. Watched a lot of racing at this this venue uh, as a kid growing up. A lot of really incredible drivers have, have won at this racetrack, and it's really, really cool to be a part of the group of drivers that have won here. I'm really happy about it, and hopefully I'll be racing here again next year. And Well, I mean, I should be, I guess. I, mean, I should be racing next year, but hopefully winning again next year and um, I'm excited to race here and some other things, too. I'd love to do that. It's not only the drivers going to victory lane that have been raising eyebrows. It's the names up front throughout the race that point toward a shift. At Indianapolis, Austin Sindrick, Harrison Burton, and Todd Gilliland finished second, third, and fourth, respectively. Let's not forget, those three are 2022 Cup Series rookies. When Daniel Suarez won at Sonoma, Chris Buescher finished second, Michael McDowell third, and Austin Sindrick fifth. Again, these are names that are not necessarily at the front week in and week out. So far, all road courses in 2022 have been won by first-time winners, and they've won in dominant fashion. So have Elliott and Larson finally been knocked off the road racing throne? Can they reestablish their road racing prowess? Or will we have another surprise in Victory Lane in Upper State New York? We'll have that answer soon at Watkins Glen. Thank you, Dan. Coming up, we'll chat with Rodney Childers on the heels of his win in the Federated Auto Parts 400 and... 
Also coming up, a look at the history of open-wheel drivers dipping their toes into NASCAR. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. He surges to the bottom, deals with both the lap cars. He's three car lengths back. Kevin Harvick, final time down the back shoot, and he's lucky there's not one more lap to come. Here comes Christopher Bell. It's down to two car lengths, a car length and a half now. Up off turn number four. Checkered flag is in the air. Back-to-back wins. Kevin Harvick wins the Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond Raceway. Now, back to Mike Bagley. That's how it sounded Sunday afternoon on the Motor Racing Network. Dave Moody and Alex Hayden with the call of the number four mobile one Ford Mustang of Kevin Harvick going to victory lane in the Federated Auto Parts 400. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We are joined now by the crew chief who helped make that happen. Not only this past Sunday, but the last two. Rodney Childers is back with us. Rodney, welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are we doing? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Doing fantastic. Not as good as y'all, though. Last weekend, took a hold of the race again and never let it go. Walk us through the experience at uh, at Richmond Raceway on Sunday. Second race win in a row for you guys. Yeah, it was a great weekend for us. We, you know, unloaded right off the truck for practice. And he went out there and ran like 40 laps straight and came in and said, it, you know, it's pretty good. He can really get in the corner hard and uh, had great forward drive and said that it just needed to turn the center a little bit better. And. We tried to, to free it up a little bit for qualifying and ended up way too tight and didn't get the qualifying lap that we wanted. But, um, you know, we tried to free it up some more to start the race and ended up too tight to start the race and fell back to, gosh, I think about 20th at, at one point and come back to maybe 15th, uh, you know, there before the end of that stage and was able to make some good adjustments during that stage break. and. Um, you know, after that, it was kind of game on. It, it started driving forward more and more and more. And we made one adjustment in the middle of stage two, and it really took off then and was able to, to close that gap to the leaders and put ourselves into contention and, and uh, get a little closer to them where we had a shot. Yeah, I mean, you could see it coming a couple months ago. And, and I think, you know, for the people that were watching at home and, and maybe even the media, like it was kind of hard to see for them. But if you were inside, you know, the four car group, you could see it just a little bit every week. You could see our confidence as a team. Uh, you could see our confidence, you know, going to the simulator and coming back and implementing those changes into the car before we would load on, on those weeks. Um, you could see us, you know, running, you know, really well in top five all night at, at Nashville and you know, had probably the second best car at, at Loudon and uh, just, you know, a lot of places that we were, you know, good cars and maybe never got the track position to show some of the lap time. Um, and then Michigan was kind of the same way. I mean, you, you kind of rode around there until you got the, the track position. And next thing you know, the thing looks like a rocket ship out front and just drives away from the field. So. Um, you know, some of it is just 
part of this car and and part of the racing right now and you don't know what week is yours and you look at some guys that have been on a tear winning races lately and they they were out to lunch at richmond so you know we could go the next week and and be out to lunch too it's just kind of part of it right now and i feel like the whole sport's still learning every week and trying to figure it out what has created the biggest sigh of relief winning and getting into the playoffs or going back to back and perhaps maybe understanding that you may have your arms around this new car yeah i mean there's a lot of people that have asked that or i've got a lot of text messages saying y'all figured it out and i don't think we have you know necessarily figured it out i mean yeah the team has a lot of confidence and maybe we kind of understand it better but um, you know, you look at the two wins back to back and they're completely different racetracks, um, you know, different kinds of racing, completely different setups and nothing, nothing on the entire car was the same one week compared to the next week. And so, I mean, some of it is just, you know, getting your arms around, understanding it and, and understanding what each track needs and, you know, going back to a place that you raced at earlier this year and, and having good notes and, and a good memory of, of the things that you thought you could have done better. And I think that's, you know, the biggest key for us is just being able to go back. And, and I think that's the part we're looking forward to the most in, in these coming weeks. Winding up our time with Rodney Childers, crew chief for Kevin Harvick at Stewart House Racing. We're off to the Glen this weekend, back to road course racing, but the first time we've been there with the new car. What are you looking for this weekend? Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see how everything works out with getting through the bus stop. Um, I think that's going to be the hardest part with this car is, you know, with, with riding on, not riding on, but you have shock limiters now and, you know, you you have them on all four corners. And if you hit a curve too hard, it's going to basically bottom out the shocks and jump about 10 foot the, the way that you don't want it to. So um, I think the guys that figure that out is, is going to be key. Um, you know, we've liked what we've seen all year. I think Kevin has been more competitive on the road courses than what we've been in a few years. And, um, and honestly competitive at some places that, you know, he doesn't really like, and, you know, it's new, new tracks and stuff where Watkins Glen, he's got a ton of laps there and a lot of confidence. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to going up there and, you know, I think those, you know, 15 minutes of practice is going to be pretty key of, of what you got and, and what you need to do better and you know hopefully we don't see cars bouncing all the way off the track but uh, hopefully ours will get through there okay. Is Watkins Glen one of those racetracks where you can wave your strategy magic wand there and perhaps maybe uh, do a number on them? Well I said that in a meeting earlier today I mean the guy that wins this weekend might be the guy that's on pit road when the caution comes out the tires are going to wear out near as much as what we've seen at some of the other road courses and you know, we just have to see how that plays out and if there's any fall off at all. Appreciate the time as always. Congratulations on going back to back from 17th on the playoff leaderboard to 7th going into Watkins Glen this weekend. We wish you the best and get your third in a row. Appreciate it. That's Rodney Childers, crew chief for Kevin Harvick, your race winners from Sunday at Richmond. Coming up, we're going to look back at the history of open wheel drivers having success in NASCAR and later, the drivers will tell us what they are expecting this weekend at the Glen. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to YouTube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. 
All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. And as we head to Watkins Glen this weekend, it's going to be a race weekend that will feature the debut of a new program from Team Trackhouse. They're going to roll out what they're calling Project 91. The project is designed to entice open-wheel racing stars from across the world to give NASCAR a try in winning equipment. This weekend, 2007 F1 World Champion Kimi Raikkonen will be behind the wheel of the number 91 Chevrolet for its and his maiden voyage in the Cup Series. And while this is sure to be one of the biggest storylines this weekend, Kimi is far from the first open-wheel driver to leave that world behind to race with four fenders. Tim Catalfamo has more. With Kimi Raikkonen getting behind the wheel for the first time ever as a NASCAR Cup Series driver at Watkins Glen International this weekend, there is a storied history of open-wheel drivers who have made the transition and found success in the world's premier stock car racing series. First on the list is Mario Andretti, who is considered by many to be the greatest racer of all time. He is one of only two drivers in history to have won races in Formula One, IndyCar, the World Car Sports Car Championship, and NASCAR, with the other, of course, being Dan Gurney. One of Andretti's career highlights was winning the 1978 F1 World Championship. Eleven years prior, however, he tasted victory lane in the great American race. Mario Andretti made it through. He's coming through to you now. We have Jim Herderbees uh, on the grass. He's got his car underway now, and he's heading in towards the pit. Car number 40, Jerry Grant. That car beginning to smoke a bit now as he's in there. He's got it underway. He's heading into the pits also. Now back to radio control. Both those cars are running. The caution flag is out right now. White and white flag. And the caution and white are out together. This is the last lap. The caution out to all intents and purposes. That's the way it'll end up with Mario Andretti the winner. His share of the Speedway purse is $22,500. Another talented driver from the open-wheel racing world who had success in NASCAR during this period was A.J. Foyt. Foyt won seven IndyCar championships and four Indy 500s in the 1960s and 70s, but right smack dab in the middle of his decade of dominance at Indy, Foyt who was Tony Stewart's favorite race car driver, suited up for the Wood Brothers in the 1972 Daytona 500 and did what he does best, win. Point just came off turn two. He is way off the pace of what he's been running, Ken, but he only has a lap or so to go here for victory. He eases down the back straightaway and heads for turn three. Right in the middle of the back straightaway, A.J. Point very carefully, very carefully around turn number three. Takes a upper groove as he comes around into the east bank. A.J. Foyt running in group number three, slowed off his pace considerably in that beautiful white and maroon and silver Mercury that heads down through the trioval and to the start-finish line. Ladies and gentlemen, the 14th annual Daytona 500 belongs to A.J. Foyt. A.J. Foyt wins it. As mentioned, A.J. Foyt was Tony Stewart's racing hero, with Smoke copying a lot of his career after Foyt. Stort won the IRL Championship in 1997, all while making starts in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and planning to make the full-time transition to stock cars. Stort became one of the greatest drivers in NASCAR history, winning three championships, 
most famously besting Carl Edwards in 2011 at the Homestead Miami Speedway in what will go down as one of the greatest championship battles of all time. Less than a mile away from completion, Tony Stewart off turn two for the final time at Homestead. Here's Tony Stewart at the entrance of turn number three, putting a punctuation mark on the dramatic chase performance in 2011. Tony Stewart is off turn four. Had not won a race throughout the season until the chase began, and now he's won five and he's won the Ford 400, and he's won the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series Championship. Tony Stewart comes across the line victorious tonight in South Florida. Tony Stewart's success started somewhat of a trend of IndyCar drivers making the jump to NASCAR with varying amounts of success. Drivers like Sam Hornish Jr., Dario Franchitti, and Danica Patrick all made the jump, but none were able to find victory lane in the Cup Series. The most successful of this era, however, in NASCAR would be Juan Pablo Montoya. Montoya burst onto the scene when he won the 2000 Indianapolis 500 in his first ever start in the hallowed event. The Colombian driver then transitioned to Formula One, where he amassed 30 podiums and seven victories in a six-year career. After the 2006 season, Montoya jumped headfirst into NASCAR, driving full-time in the Cup Series for Chip Ganassi Racing. Montoya would go on to win Rookie of the Year honors in 2007 and collect a victory at Sonoma Raceway. Montoya, however, had his best season in 2009 when he finished eighth in the season point standings. Juan Pablo Montoya was best known for his road course racing success throughout his career in NASCAR and notched his final Cup Series win in 2010 at the Glen, the same track where Kimi Raikkonen will make his Cup Series debut this weekend. Juan Pablo Montoya through turn five for the final time and onto the short straightaway with about five seconds in hand over second place Kurt Busch. Five seconds in hand and only six gear shifts remain, just three quarters of a mile for Juan Pablo Montoya. It's been a long time for him. It hasn't been that long for team owner Chip Ganassi. He was in victory lane yesterday. Montoya may be taking him back here. He's in turn seven. It's been a great year for Chip Ganassi Racing, winning the Daytona 500, winning at the Brickyard, winning the Indy 500, and today winning with Juan Pablo Montoya at Watkins Glen International. Juan Pablo led 73 of the 90 laps today. He wins the race by well over six seconds. In recent years, it's been A.J. Allmendinger who has carried the banner for former open-wheel drivers in NASCAR. His move to Colic Racing boosted his career with Allmendinger winning the NASCAR Xfinity Series regular season championship in 2021. But this wasn't even his best moment of last season, as he also won the Cup Series race on the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Allmendinger has become the most decorated road racer in the Xfinity Series and has won three of the four races on road courses in 2022. While this weekend will mark the Cup Series debut for Kimi Raikkonen, the 2007 F1 World Champion is no stranger to NASCAR. Raikkonen ventured into the sport 11 years ago in 2011 and raced at Charlotte in the Truck Series and Xfinity Series for Kyle Busch Motorsports, scoring an impressive 15th place finish in the Truck Series. He had this to say at the time about his experience. I like to try different things and now when I have time, so why not if, if I have a chance? so. I mean, the, the main thing is still the, the rally, but uh, I have more, more free time, so it's nice to try something new. This weekend will mark another chapter in the long history of international open-wheel champions dipping their toe into NASCAR. Raikkonen will be driving for Trackhouse Racing's Project 91. The goal of this program is to bring more champions from across the world to the sport. If Justin Marks has his way, Project 91 will be the dawning of a new era for open-wheel drivers in NASCAR.
Thank you, Tim. Coming up, we'll preview the racing weekend at Watkins Glen, and later we'll have this week in NASCAR history. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend at Watkins Glen, it'll mark the first of two remaining chances to get into the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. What are drivers expecting at NASCAR's longest tenured road course? Kyle Rickey has more. The variety of the NASCAR Cup Series schedule will be on full display this weekend. The series goes from a three-quarter mile short track of Richmond Raceway to the 2.45-mile road course of Watkins Glen International in New York. This weekend's race will mark the fifth of six road course races on the 2022 schedule. The most recent road course took place at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That race had a slew of late race restarts that were marred with drivers barreling into turn number one and running into each other. While Watkins Glen doesn't feature a turn that lends itself to something like that, Kyle Busch is still expecting a similar level of contact this weekend. You know, Indy is entirely different than Watkins Glen. Um, you know, five wide into a two-lane corner where the Glen, you don't really you don't really get up to a big speed before you got to break for turn one. So two, three wide is kind of the norm through there. But yeah, there's always contact and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, hopefully we can all just be smarter about it and, and more respectful about it. Um, but that's probably asking too much. Those late race restarts allowed some drivers you wouldn't expect to get through the chaos and have some of the best road racing finishes of their career. One of those drivers was Bubba Wallace, who finished fifth. The 2311 driver's struggles at road courses are well documented. But after that finish, he feels like he's starting to get a better grasp of road racing in the new race car. You know, shifting was, was one thing. Uh, I don't know if necessarily it was a struggle for me in Gen 6, but uh, it's definitely made it a little bit easier. Don't have as much wheel hop, kind of be more consistent on braking because of because of the gearbox that we have. So I just I just struggle with getting you know speed out of every corner. You know, if we break it down in, in every corner and segments, you know, it's only about a tenth or so. It's like, oh, okay. I'll go in and try and gain three tenths in one corner, then I lose six in the next. So it's a matter of just spreading it out across every track and every corner. It's how to be better, but definitely putting in the work and trying to get better roof course racing. It's showing, you know, we, we've uh, we've had some good races and we've had some bad, but uh, but yeah, I think I, I've shown up with a better attitude, a better mindset. The team has shown up, you know, supporting me and, and bringing good race cars. Our road course resume hasn't been the greatest. Uh, we've had three around 35th place finishes from mechanical failures and then we have a fifth so or yeah fifth crazy which is you know, we'll take it <laughs> harrison burton was another one of those surprise names who finished near the top at indianapolis the wood brothers racing driver netted a career best third place finish that day 
and it was a much-needed boost to his confidence as a road racer. I really worked hard in the offseason to be a better road racer. I feel like that's been something that I've struggled with in Xfinity, trying to run with guys like Austin Sindrick in Xfinity Series. Those guys are, you know, that, that, that guy's quick on a road course. So learning from him, I feel like it's been good. I've, I've run a lot of races thanks to uh, friends at Ford. I ran a GT4 race earlier this year. You know, all the cup road course races and doing a lot of time at home on a simulator and, and in the Ford simulator. Uh, and I feel like that's paid a dividend, um, you know, to getting faster on those and qualifying pretty decent at, at uh, Indy Road Course. They qualified like 12th or 13th or something. So uh, decent qualifying there, decent speed. And, and then if you have that, you can execute a race a lot easier. And things come to you a lot easier, that's for sure. So. Uh, confidence is higher on those than it has been in the past, but I still know there's, there's work to be done there. When it comes to road courses, many have an iconic corner. That is the case for Watkins Glen's inner loop. Joe Gibbs racing driver Christopher Bell points out just how important getting through that corner well is for your lap time. How difficult is it to get through there? It's right. not difficult at all. But if you try and go through there as good as Chase Elliott or Martin Truex, then it becomes very difficult. So. There's just a ton of lap time to be made through the interloop. And the technique that you go through it, uh, the ability of your car to jump over the curbs and land and be able to change direction, uh, it takes a lot to be good there. On top of all of the storylines as we get closer to the playoffs beginning, something that will be a huge talking point this weekend is the debut of former F1 world champion Kimi Raikkonen. Raikkonen will be the first driver to participate in Team Trackhouse's Project 91. Trackhouse's Justin Marks handpicked the Finn driver to be the first one to pilot the number 91 car and has high expectations for what Kimi can do. You know, I, I'm optimistic. Um, I have high expectations. I mean, I think that, I think that the, the speed and the racecraft and adaptation to the track and the car is not going to be is not going to be an issue at all. Just spending time with him in the shop, the level of preparation, the way he was prepared when he first showed up here in America, not just 24 hours ago, he was asking questions about the one car's pit penalty at Michigan. He, he had questions about short pitting stages and, and how to work strategy backwards on the road courses. He, I mean, he's he has really done a lot of work in preparation, and I, and that's not surprising to me because that's that's what it takes to be as successful as he's been in, in you know Formula One for so long. Raikkonen made his living on being a great road racer, but in open wheel cars. The progression of Cup Series drivers as road racers has been growing over the last few years. Denny Hamlin says that while he thinks Raikkonen coming over is a great thing for the sport, he isn't as sure that he will be a factor in the outcome as Marks is. You know, it's a it's a great opportunity for him and Trackhouse and, and whatnot, but as far as like being a, a contender to, to like race for the win, I don't think that's a possibility. Uh, just simply because it, it does take time. It does you know, if you look at the people that have been successful in stock cars coming from an open wheel background, it takes a long time, other than you've got these anomalies like Tony Stewart and, and, and a few others. Montoya took a little bit of time, but it's just it's just really difficult because everyone has gotten so much better, and especially with the information, the data that they've got nowadays, uh, all those, all the drivers that are in the field now have really stepped up uh, dramatically. So I think uh, it's, it's a good thing for our sport to get some good publicity, uh, but other than that, I'm not really sure that it changes the dynamic of the race too much. Whether Raikkonen is a contender for the win remains to be seen, but both of his teammates this weekend, Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, 
have won on road courses already this season. Will Trackhouse Racing once again prove their road course dominance? Can Tyler Reddick score his third straight road course victory? Or will Chase Elliott assert himself as the king of Watkins Glen? All of those questions will be answered when MRN hits the airwaves on Sunday for the Go Bowling at the Glen. Thank you, Kyle. It should be a good one this weekend. Can't wait to get to Watkins Glen. This week in NASCAR history is next. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's time to wrap things up in style on this week's show. And as we always do to accomplish that, we bring in Susie Armstrong with This Week in NASCAR History. Thank you, sir. 1981, Video Killed the Radio Star was a foreboding statement and the popular music video by The Buggles, the first to roll on the fledgling MTV. Justice was served to John Lennon's killer as a New York judge handed Mark David Chapman a sentence of 20 years to life. And Richard Petty was king of the Irish Hills, driving the STP Buick to Victory Lane in the champion Spark Plug 400 at Michigan International Speedway. All eight foot, all the way into the paddle. Richard Petty has two car lengths on. Darrell Waltrip and Ricky Rudd, who are side-by-side for second. Fourth is Harry Gant, Buddy Baker, and Allison side-by-side for fifth, coming to a finish. Richard Petty comes out of turn number four with a half a car length lead as they come down to the line. Diving to the inside of the racetrack will be Waltrip, but he will miss it by about a car length. It will be Petty winning. Waltrip will finish second as they shuffle into turn number one, and Rutherford spun off the course in turn number two. Nineteen ninety-nine, Christina Aguilera got her wish for a successful debut of her self-titled album, topping the charts with the hit single "Genie in a Bottle." Tiger Woods teed off in Medina, Illinois, besting Sergio Garcia to win the PGA Championship and his second major. And Jeff Gordon was dominant in the Dupont Chevy, leading fifty-five laps and scoring his fifth victory of the season at Watkins Glen International in the Frontier at the Glen. the final time, Jeff Gordon's rainbow-colored Chevrolet thunders down the short straightaway to turn 10. The crowd in turn 10 rise to their feet, waving their hands as Gordon negotiates the 90-degree left-hand corner. He's got five car lengths on Ron Fellows. Now another short straightaway, then the 90-degree right-hander back to the start-finish line. An unbelievable fifth straight win on a road course for Jeff Gordon. He comes off turn 11 to the checkered flag. Gordon wins the frontier at the Glen for a third straight year by about seven car Links over Ron Fellows. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. Well, that's alright because I like the way it hurts. Just gonna stand there and hear me cry. Well, that's alright because I love the way you lie. 
2010. Truth be told, Eminem and Rihanna had a major hit on their hands with their collaborative duet, Love the Way You Lie. Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg were a couple of mismatched detectives in the cop buddy comedy box office buster, The Other Guys. And Kevin Harvick wanted to be the only guy in victory lane, beating Denny Hamlin to the line to win the Carfax 400 at Michigan. I never scoop so low again. I guess I don't know my own strength. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. But that's alright because I like the way it hurts. Just Kevin Harvick off turn two for the final time. Here comes Harvick now behind the lap car of Sam Hornish Jr. Harvick just squares up right behind him at the midpoint of the backstretch. Again, his advantage better than a full second. Back to second place, Denny Hamlin. For the final time, Kevin Harvick is off turn four. He can coast from here if he needs to. All he had to do today was gain seven points to clinch their spot in the chase. And he's going to do that and more by winning the Carfax 400. Here's Kevin Harvick at the line with a two-second lead over Denny Hamlin. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. We'd like to thank Martin Truex Jr. for stopping by. Also, our thanks to Rodney Childers for being a part of the show this week. I'm Mike Bagley for the rest of the MRN crew. We thank you for being a part of things as well. We'll catch up with you on NASCAR Live Wide Open on Thursday. And, of course, NASCAR Live Race Day back on the air on Sunday. And we're back here on Tuesday night next week. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast.